Welcome to the Ars Technicast, where we bring you the latest in the worlds of computing, technology, science, and everything else in between. During each episode, a group of Ars staffers will dig deep into some of the issues we've covered on the site. We'll also talk about some of the other stuff we're doing when we're not circling the Ars orbiting headquarters. I am your host, Senior Apple Editor Jackie Chang, and on this week's show, we have Associate Writer Casey Johnston. Hello. Microsoft Editor Peter Bright. Hello. And Social Editor Cesar Torres. Hello. So this week's show is about social media and how it has changed how we process news. Um, the obvious tie-in here is last week's bombing in Boston, which we'll discuss uh, in a minute. But it's really just another example of about how we as regular citizens receive and process through this information when these things happen in the world. Um, so I guess we'll just start uh, by talking about last week, and then we'll talk about this week too. Um, you know, you guys listening, I'm sure you know what happened. It, at first, when the bombing happened, Twitter and social media mediums social media mediums, uh, seem to sort of do an awesome job of disseminating information when it happened and what was happening. Um, although we did kind of get inundated with gruesome photos and weird videos. Um, but then the rest of the week sort of played out in a really kind of like a social media horror show. Um, it's, it kind of reflected what was being said on the actual news, which was extremely questionable in terms of accuracy. Um, but it sort of got to the point where you basically couldn't trust anything that was happening on Twitter at all. Um, and yet, despite this, people kept eating it up. And then it sort of fit into this week when um, today, on Tuesday, when we're recording this show, uh, there was the the AP Twitter account got hacked and they said there were explosions at the White House. And um, immediately after that, there was a huge drop in the stock market and luckily it has recovered since then. Um, but it sort of is a really like stark reminder of how social media almost to the detriment of everyone in the world uh, is really like making making things really fast and people make decisions so quickly now based on on the internet um, without really verifying information. And um, I don't know, I guess I was wondering what you guys, how you guys reacted to uh, the events of last week and the events of today with the Associated Press hack. Um, I mean, what do you think of how all this stuff has played out? I couldn't believe what an echo chamber Twitter and Reddit and all of that became for false information. It was just sort of – it was so hard to get people to stop. I mean not that I tried to get anyone to stop, but it was just like people kept repeating. Like even after so many false information circulated around, people kept repeating things because – I don't know. I think there's – I guess there's a lot of pressure to be to be first with something. Um, but it reminds me of that – that Mark Twain quote that's like, oh man, how does it go? It's something like, um, a rumor a rumor makes its, its way around the world before the truth has time to put on its shoes or something like that. It's like something, things just get picked up so fast. It, well, it, it, it was interesting because within a few days, this sort of consensus had emerged that Twitter is great for the first five minutes, but thereafter it's just useless. Um, the the particularly the the local news reporters I think did a, a much better job on, on the on the radio and the the local TV stations were much less unreliable. Um, but the the shootout when was it Thursday night I guess um, 
when they stormed the boat. Um, uh, or was it? The, or maybe it was the day before um, when he ran his brother over. But the this fake name came out. People said it came off the um, police scanner, and all of a sudden, it, it was a name that had come up before on, on I think Reddit and, and some web- websites before. But um, all of a sudden, it spread across Twitter um, very quickly. And there was no, you know, you get 140 characters. There was no sourcing, no background, no, no official confirmation. And and it turns out that it was just a missing uh, teenager, I think. Um, it, yeah, it was, I I actually remember seeing that on Twitter. That was and it was it was crazy. it was totally unrelated to the to the uh, the Boston attacks. Um, so I think I think Twitter actually has shown it's not even good in in, in the sort of um, immediate aftermath of something happening because in this case um, nothing had even happened um, in as far as this name hadn't been released um, the the police scanners hadn't been talking about this guy um, it it was just essentially made up well you know the the reactions to the accuracy of, of uh, what I'm going to call, I guess, reporting or the, the use of social media as a reporting tool. Uh, I think we saw so much of that. It, it also kind of led me to think, to take like one step further back and think about just the emotions uh, I was feeling personally. I can't speak for anybody and I'm not going to generalize for, you know, people who, who witnessed this on the internet. But for me, I just thought, you know, this is definitely tragic. There was a lot of violence and there was death. And uh, I just thought, I, for the first time in a long time, I felt like I couldn't keep up with the barrage of information versus the emotions that I was feeling, which, as best as I can describe them, are confusion. They were confusion, some sort of loss, uh, a little bit of fear. You know, it just it, it, it's a, it led me to think that we live in a kind of new era. Like I haven't had to think about this in a while because I've had the internet with me for quite quite a long time. But now everybody has the internet, and everybody is kind of uh, pushing forward their emotions too when when they uh, cover this stuff or they just comment on it. So that that was really eye opening for me. That I felt like something had shifted in terms of how how I received this information. And uh, I'm still not sure how I've coped with it all because it was fast. It was like the blink of an eye. This was, you know, about a week ago. But with other events, sometimes that effect of how you feel and how you cope, it feels like it, it goes on for a much longer time. But in this case, it's only been a week. And now we have this this AP stuff, which also is sort of uh, similar. Just, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's a whole new era. I think the thing that disturbed me the most about the AP stuff is, is how. Um, and now I know it's a it's a relatively small dip, but like how the stock market dipped immediately after. And so yeah. I'm just like, you know, how fast was it for them to shut down that account? I mean, relatively fast, actually, um, within minutes. And yet there were still people who were selling off their stocks. And it's like. Who are these people who are watching Twitter and not watching anything else and just like sell things off oh, instantly? You know, uh, that... did, did we even say what happened with the AP yet? 
Uh, you just I said the AP I thing. I, did. <laughs> I think I did, but um, in case we didn't, we did. uh, Associated okay, Press so Twitter account got hacked, and so they they said there were explosions at the White House, and President Obama had been hurt, and I guess uh, some insane people out there just started selling yeah, stocks. I, that, that's that's an interesting one because we don't even know that they were people. They could just be algorithms. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, could, what they, what they, are they these be, algorithms? They could be looking at Twitter, looking for certain keywords. Um and and responding to that, I you know I don't know maybe maybe it was people, but um but okay, the, the, the right. stock market is such that that even that you wouldn't put it past these companies to have some kind of automatic automated system in place because if the news was real, they would get a big advantage of doing that because uh a, an explosion that that injured President Obama would. I think absolutely cause further drops in the stock market. So getting out as soon as possible is maybe the right thing to do. It just seems so insane. Well, I mean, a, I, I don't disagree with you. It's a lot of weight to place on a, on a single tweet, um, especially when we know that, that Twitter has got a, shall we say, a, a hacking problem. Um, we know that people go after high-profile accounts and try to break into them um that's not you well, well you know the i think the big difference is just how things uh, what tools are used by by news outlets today in, in the old days if if the ap was just doing what they were doing they just had right. the wire you know so that goes out to each of the papers they pick it up that gets syndicated and, and reused and now you know they have their wire they have their other methods that go out to media outlets but because Twitter is an actual news outlet for them and there's an application that runs it, you know, it leaves them vulnerable. But it, it is interesting that all this um, trust is put into that as a vehicle uh, for news. And obviously, if, if it can get hacked easily, it's, it's going to happen the way it did today. Well, and the, the other thing, aside from the stock market, is just that regular regular everyday people, I mean, see mm. stuff, even though... You know, it's it's slowly becoming common knowledge that you shouldn't just trust any random tweet you see. But um, I, I think that even though people know that, they still see things on social media and then just kind of run with it. And so it creates this sort of like <laughs> it creates this sort of uh, I don't know, like I don't want to say culture of panic, but. That's kind of how I feel right now, anyway. Uh, people sort of see something, and then they're just immediately panicking. Um, whether it's, you know, the bombing in Boston, or whether it's this, like, AP hack. Um, people just kind of freak out, and they eat it up, even though they know that it could very well be fake. Um, it seems like people need to take a lot more, like, people who are in positions of, you know, being being trusted with this stuff, like... Um, I don't want to name names, but I can think of a couple people who who were eviscerated afterward for tweeting, tweeting things they thought to be correct and then immediately correcting themselves, um, from from very respectable news outlets. So, I mean, I remember looking at during during the whole as the Boston bombing was unfolding, I was watching the Boston Globe account and I was, in a sense, frustrated with them that they were only tweeting every like, it wasn't even every once in a while. It was like every few minutes, but. They seem to be waiting until they had absolutely concrete things to say versus 
reporting whatever it was they heard. And I think that level of, you know, responsibility needs to be taken by pretty much anyone that's affiliated with a news outlet, even just individual reporters. I mean, one, the trust is an interesting issue, but, but AP, their Twitter has got a blue tick. And and they're the Associated Press. Why wouldn't you trust them? What what yeah. does, what what does blue tick mean if it's not you can trust these tweets? Um, and that's why I think Twitter needs to have better security options because if you're going to promote these accounts as being verified and actually belonging to you know credible media outlets and uh, so on, then you need to protect that, but I, I don't. I don't think it's wrong for people to uh, trust that kind of thing I, because I, I think I think that's how certainly how Twitter is promoting it. Um, I think the AP would promote themselves as being trustworthy. Um, so I, it, yeah, when when it's. Um, less uh, prestigious outlets and that's that's more of an issue when it's just some random person who claims to be on the scene or claims to be listening to the police scanner or uh, you know something like that then yeah that's that's when you say well why why are people trusting this one why why are they listening right why, why is it getting hundreds of thousands of retweets but for the ap i i think not so much so do you guys feel like I, I was sort of engaging in a Twitter discussion about this last week, but um, do you feel like this level of information or misinformation as the case may be is changing how you react to these things? Or do you think it has always been this way and now it's just online? Like in terms of rumors and in, inaccuracies and no, that kind of stuff. I think it's a totally different scenario now. I really do. I just think that, if you just look at the volume of available information when a story like this breaks, it's it's hard to keep up with it. If you have, let's say, 500 uh, Facebook friends, and let's say, uh, I don't know, just 10% of them are sharing ideas, comments, posts, news links about that, that just alone would be 50 new ways to learn or to hear information about this. It, it's, it's radically different. I mean, in... I'm going to sound like an old person, but in the old days, I mean, for breaking news, really television and radio were the the ways you would do it. And, and those outlets only permitted you to watch basically one at a time. You could switch channels, right, and go from CNN and back to CBS, ABC. But really, you're, you're kind of stuck there. And with the computer, with multitasking and Twitter and Facebook coming in, uh, as well as just being able to stream news outlets uh, on the web – Suddenly you have so much, but I don't think it's easy to actually do that. I mean, who can keep up with that much information? Uh, I think it's super different now because of those reasons. I, so the discussion I was, I was involved in last week was I was talking about how um, I, I, hate to, I hate to bring up the, the event, but um, during 9-11 in 2001, um, even though we did not have Twitter at that time, we did have the internet. We didn't quite have Twitter or Facebook. Um, 
at, you know, when I left the house to go and gossip with my fellow campus people who were all sharing information, I mean, that was extremely rife with rumors and misinformation as well, like immediately after the attacks. And so I remember going on campus and people were talking about how there were also bombings in in Chicago and San Francisco and and LA and the Sears Tower had been taken down and like that kind of stuff we I mean there was no there was no Twitter to disseminate that information it was just word of mouth um, but it was the same idea I mean the information was spreading and everyone was spreading it and um, so in in a way it kind of makes me wonder whether this the stuff with social media today is really any different than before it's just that it's kind of more in our face now because we see it um, as it's happening and it's kind of just like, Oh God, why are all these rumors happening all at once? But, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's kind of, I wonder whether we're just kind of selectively remembering how things were before, uh, social media was huge, um, versus like whether that's real or not, whether our perception of have changed. I think that's, you probably hit the nail on the most provocative question of the whole show right there. Like, is our perception of how things used to be or perception of time, you know, accurate? Did we really change that much by adding social media to the mix? I think I'm inclined to say that um, just the just that social media is a problem of scale. And I think the just the volume seems to give a lot of false things credence um, that don't deserve them just because it's it's so easy for something to spread um maybe maybe it's easy for uh in a small community if it if it spreads throughout to to for something to really embed itself and be hard to work out of the system but i feel like just because of the scale of social media it it embeds things so much more quickly yeah it, the meme can i mean that that's that's the meme at work for sure a single idea or concept just suddenly truly propagating. And that's a lot of what we see nowadays. I mean, even just a celebrity, uh, you know, being spotted or doing something kind of scandalous, that just goes around and around and around. And uh, who knows exactly about the accuracy, even when there's a photo, you know, photos can be doctored or whatever, but um, the volume I think is hard to keep up with because if just imagine, you know, something gets retweeted 3000 times, I, a single person couldn't do that before, you know, mm-hmm. where you might start a rumor and get it out that far, that fast. I think that's the difference. The little guy can actually yeah. have a lot of power. Yeah, I don't think the instinct has changed at all. It's, it's People always talked about this, and they're always conspiracy theorists, always people making stuff up, um, and, and always lots of speculation and chatter about it. it the difference is simply the publicity. Um Rather than chatting with a few of your friends at school or at work, you now blast it out on Twitter. Um, there's quite a good chance that someone will find it, or you know, it'll eventually get retweeted into someone's timeline who's got thousands or millions of followers, uh, and then it can spread. Um, that that's really what's changed. I think it's so whether whether people are, are more sort of exposed to it, I don't know, because most of the world still isn't on Twitter. Um, even, even, like, within the 
the media. I know lots of journalists, for example, who aren't on Twitter. Um, you may think that, that they're perhaps old-fashioned, but they're working for pretty important media outlets, like people like the BBC. Um, so I think I think I think the social media is um, perhaps not as important as it thinks it is, um, which can be uh, easy to forget. Um, you know, you, you watch any mainstream TV show and it's probably got hashtags on, on the that'll float up on the screen so you can tweet about the show as you're watching it. Um, most people don't. Uh, most people don't follow anyone on Twitter because they don't have a Twitter account in the first place. So I don't know if it's had quite as big an effect as as people might think. Um, it's obviously a big deal for people who do follow social media, but uh, I think they're still a minority at the moment. That's really interesting. Uh, now, what about Facebook? Because a lot of people are on Facebook. Facebook has got way bigger penetration. That's certainly true. But I didn't see the same kind of stuff on Facebook as I saw on Twitter. Um, what was going on? That was a weird noise. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Okay, we'll, we'll pretend we didn't hear it. Yeah. Just, just pick up where you left off, or, or just re- rephrase it, but uh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I for, for whatever reason, um, certainly the people I am friends with on Facebook, you know, the stuff they were sharing was not as alarmist and sensational as the things they saw on Twitter. Um, you know, the the wrongly named names and the, the dubious photographs with various people's heads circled, for example, I didn't see that on Facebook. Um, in the aftermath of the London riots, for example, again, um, there, there was activity on Facebook, I think, both uh, on, on both sides. I think people tried to organise bits of rioting on Facebook, and I think people organised clean-up efforts on Facebook. But Twitter was far more responsive. Um, it, it, it's far more real-time um, Whereas Facebook, for the most part, in my view, trails the um, kind of the news media, the online news media, so still faster than than print. But I, I think Facebook moves slower. So you mentioned the London riots, um, and I was just curious if you felt like there was, I don't know, the same level of kind of wild speculation speculation and possibly inaccuracies um, as there are now? Or did you feel like that was a lot more, I don't know. I, I, I think there were bits of that. Um, they were a lot simpler in many regards because we knew who was writing and and it was fairly straightforward, unlike the, uh, um, you know, there's, when, when it's uh, an attack like in Boston, then there's all the speculation about who was doing it and why. And obviously... That was a, a big part of the, the social media frenzy this time around. That didn't exist in London because we knew it was just um, mainly young people be acting like uh, scumbags for the most part, you know, thinking, well, the police can't get us, so let's go robbing. Um, 
so, but e- even then, there were. I remember at the time there were a lot of, um, you know, reports of such and such a shop is being burned down, or I've seen, you know, I've seen people looting this this shop, um, or you know, the, the sort of the riot is moving in this direction, all that kind of thing. Um, I, I think, you know, it was. Reasonably accurate. It, 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 I think. Um, I think the perception you get from Twitter is that things were a lot worse than they were, um, because it, it's it's very easy to have things get really reinforced. Like um, you may see what's actually essentially the same event being tweeted about by a bunch of different people. Um, but it's not necessarily clear that it's the same event from the tweets. You know, it's like different perspectives of the same thing. And, and it can, so it can make things look much worse than they, they really were. Um, but, uh, the, 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 the striking thing about the, the London riots is that a, a very, uh, unsexy, uncool, I, I think, you know, you'd almost call it a social network, but, um, BlackBerry Messenger was really instrumental um, in used by the rioters to organise their their deployments um, because that's what uh, low income teenagers apparently use. Um, you know, I I just wanted to, that made me think so much about just sort of where where you are when big stuff breaks, and you know, in this in this particular podcast we've got always it's editors and writers for, from Ars Technica that are kind of sharing these insights uh, but I think of the people here in this virtual room it's probably I'm probably the oldest I was lucky enough to have some of my earliest experience of working for a Tribune company and back in 97 uh, I was I clearly recall I was at a party it was a backyard party in Chicago and as part of the breaking news team for for Tribune, on the weekends, you would be on call in case something major happened. And I had been there, I think, maybe a year and a half, maybe less. And up until then, I had never been called in, uh, except when I arrived at this party, people started buzzing about, oh, you know, uh, Princess Diana has been in an accident. And... Um, that's the meme right there. You know, people are spreading the, 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 the rumor around and you don't really know all the facts. But what I wanted to mention was just sort of like how the coverage used to happen. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to, to look back on some of that. At the time, I got the phone call on my cell phone and the phone call was with my editor. And all he could say was just get to the office because with me, I didn't really have any tools that, <laughs> that could help me. Right. A, pick up new information, get the wires, uh, get to the publishing system that we used. And I was working on mine. I didn't actually work on print. So it was fascinating. I, d- I drove from that party to downtown Chicago to park the car, went up there. And I was there most of the night. And it was a really like eye-opening experience because the tools of using wires and sort of trusted networks of, of information are really interesting. But for the reporters, I mean, they're still dealing with what we're talking about here. How do you verify a source? How do you make sure that it's uh, legit? But 
now, you know, when we think about the, the tools that we have available to us, it's, they're just so interesting. You know, you've got like email, phone, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you know, there's so many entry points for, to reach out to a person or to have them uh, call you back or contact you back. I think that's um, that does show the, the sign of the, the times, right? You know, how, how far we've come. But, um, yeah, I certainly, when I, back then, I couldn't have pictured how coverage would happen in the future because mostly the, it was telephone and the news wires in which the ways in which you got the information. I think, I mean, I I don't want to go too far into this because I think that this is like a whole different show, but I think in a way it really reflects how um, like reporting has changed a lot in the last, in the last 10 years, in the last few years even, Um, just because there is so much more pressure for one um, on news organizations to get things out quickly Uh, now. I mean, it, there's always been pressure, obviously, but I think there's more pressure now than there was 10 years ago to get things out instantly. Um, so in, in a way, uh, you kind of have to drop your standards just a little bit on what you're going to accept. So if you see another, for example, I mean, you, you might have, even just for yourself, you might have a certain threshold for certain news orgs that you trust. So like I trust, for example, New York Times, Associated Press, Wall Street Journal. So if I see those news organizations reporting something, uh, in my case, like probably Apple Rumors or whatever, I, I do trust them. And I think that's the same when it comes to disasters and that kind of thing. When you, um, as, an, as a news writer, see another organization that you trust reporting something, um, I think you're a lot more willing to just be like, yeah, okay, I will report that and just cite uh, whoever, you know, New York Times, and just be like, okay, blah, 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 according to New York Times. And so, um, I mean, that's good and all to have that trust, but I think it's also bad because of what you said, Cesar, in terms of, I, I, I just think that the the speed at which things kind of filter through Twitter and everything else just makes it that much more ripe for um, misinformation to spread. And that's why we end up with what we have now, like last week and today, with crazy things happening, and then it turns out it was the real story was completely different. Yeah, I, I think it, the, the exercise in, in finding perspective is, is probably the most interesting thing looking forward. Is how do we deal with a, a society that is so plugged in? Because um, this is not a, a, an anti-technology rant. I mean, I think, like I said at the bottom of the at the beginning of the show, that it's hard to process the emotions and what's happening. But I do want a world where I have the information available if I need it, so that I can help other people or at least be better uh, informed about it. So I think the the key will be, you know, collectively, how do we get better at this so that we get maybe some better reactions online? Because it, you know, a lot of it too is just what, what people react to when these big events are happening like i just saw like some really ugly things that people post <laughs> based on what, what was happening in the news and uh you, you do get a little tired of it but i think there there has to be a solution right or some sort of middle middle ground where you can kind of uh, have the technology and make it really do good things for everybody i also wonder whether all this exposure to all this information so f- quickly um, makes us talk to each other less in real life. Like we're kind of all glued to our phones now to keep up on the news. And then we don't really 
I don't know, share the information in real life and connect to other people. Um, so I don't know. This that's like my little side observation on that. Oh, I yeah, know. I I I've started trying to do more of that um sort of talking to people while things are going on. Um and like even even just letting them know that happened like my mom had I think like two-ish hours into the whole Boston Marathon thing had no idea it had even happened so I was like did you know this happened and filled her in on all the all the details and I don't know I I try to I try to uh make more of an effort to not just be just be like oh let's all watch Twitter and like you know have our put our put our blinders onto each other sort of thing Yeah, well, you know, one thing I, I definitely do see, at least in public spaces, is everybody does have their face buried in the phone when this stuff is happening. But uh, that's probably natural. I mean, you just want to find out what's going on. You're not always going to talk to strangers in the street. I mean, I, at home, right. yeah. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that too. I mean, on Friday, for example, last Friday when they were doing the whole stake out of the boat thing, uh, like we were out getting drinks with friends. And yet I was totally glued to my phone. I was like, Oh my God, what's happening? Like, have, you know, has he come out yet? Have they arrested him yet? Like what, you know, what's the status? And so, I don't know. I I just, um, I really wonder about that. And it's, even though this seems like kind of a weird tie, I think about it, uh, in terms of like how we communicate with people in general, um, even for normal news events, like people having babies and stuff like that. Um, you know, normally, I if I had a friend who had a baby, I would probably talk to them somehow in real life or at least via text or something. But nowadays, I don't even do that. Like, I see the picture online and then I comment on it or I link or I like it or something or I link it to someone else. And, like, that's it. I, they don't hear from me directly. And um, I don't know. I, I think about these things a lot. <laughs> Do you guys, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about, in general, social media disseminating, like, normal, even just everyday news? It seems like there's a certain kind of person who's, like, very hungry for information. And I think that most people who are active on Twitter fit that profile. But it's, in reality, only, like, 10% of, you know, the general population. I saw someone say something. It might have been Michael Wolf or Michael Wolf retweeting somebody something about... um does anyone else care at this point what's happening with like, you know, the Boston marathon or like the suspects or anything like that? Or is it just media people? And I think someone responded like, Oh, it's just media people at this point. I do agree with that. I think that I'm still kind of obsessed a little bit with the details. And um, now that it's less in Twitter and in the news, I feel like I'm not getting nearly as much information as I should be <laughs> uh, based on my conditioning from last week. Like, I feel like I should be getting information constantly and no one is tweeting about it anymore because no one cares except for news people. Well, certainly the life events uh, that Facebook has made them in my face, they, it puts them in my face and like the same thing with, with babies and marriages. Yeah, you know, it's nice to like it or say congratulations, but I, I miss sending out like cards. You know, you used to have to send cards or make a phone call. Um, I, I think there is a, a, a way of sort of feeling like you're still in touch that isn't quite as good or as, as tangible as what the way it used to be. Um, now I'm feeling regretful, everybody. I feel like every comment I made in this particular podcast is like, I liked how things were, and I, that's not what I'm trying to say. I mean, I'm actually trying to compare, well, I, but I, like, really, I think 
I, I get when people just like my status for something that I, you know, like if I moved to New York, which I did, um, that makes me feel weird. It makes me feel like we should have had a conversation about it or something. And often they just find out because I posted a picture that's tagged Brooklyn. You know, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but, that's happened but, to me a lot. Are, are these people you're close to normally? I mean, no, I mean, they were friends I worked with over the years, people from college, and so they, they do want to hear about me, but we're not very But so, so, so what you mean is that people that 10 years ago would just never have found out anyway? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I would have you lost that. I think, you, I, think, I, think you're, I think you're closer to them and actually more sort of conversational with them than you ever, you ever used to be. Um, you know what? That is a good point. A lot of people who really love Facebook, they tell me that over and over that that's why they love it. And I, I don't always think of it that way because I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. But uh, that, that makes sense. I, I'm going to think about that. Um, I mean, I, I think it's striking. So it's interesting that you talked about Princess Diana. Um, is this thing still on? It's, You're on, Peter. I'm sorry. Ahead. It just went very dead for a moment. Um I was, uh, when was it? 1997. So I was 16 at the time. So uh, at the time I, I had real trouble sleeping. So I would listen to news radio throughout the night. Uh, station, uh, a London station, LBC, 97.3 FM, 11.52 AM. Um, I still remember the phone numbers they used as well, which is weird. Um, but I, I was listening on the night that um, Princess Diana uh, had a high-speed collision with a wall and died. Um, and, you know, I heard the news within, probably within a few hours. Before, you know, I knew before anyone else woke up, because it happened at night, most people were asleep in, in the UK. Um, so I, I, I knew in perfectly good time um and the information i got then was actually pretty reliable so first the news came out that she'd been in a serious car accident in paris and then a a few hours later that she had died um and there was there were no sort of retractions or you know, I, I'm sure. I'm sure there was speculation at the time. Like, why did she crash? And uh, was the driver drunk? And was she wearing a seatbelt? And all this kind of thing. Things that people kind of ask about and care about in these things. But I got the information, and it was timely, um, and it was accurate. And that was through a talk station. Um, with you know hourly news bulletins and i don't actually think things have got any better um we hear a lot more noise but i think it's still you know a few hours to get any kind of useful detail okay so you learned that there have been explosions at the boston marathon but um or the president obama has been hurt in an explosion or the kids are out rioting in London, whatever. You learn about that very quickly, but it's still going to take a bit of time for anyone to have a clue what's going on. Because if you're caught up in the middle of some big event, you don't know what's going on. You're, you're far too close to know what's going on. 
So for, for all the uh, all the sort of uh, instant communication we have these days, I don't think things have actually got meaningfully better. Um, I think it does show how useless 24-hour rolling news is, though, because and, and I, I suppose Twitter is the the ultimate 24-hour rolling news. Uh, it, it has a lot of airwaves that it needs to fill, and so it's just continuously spewing out stuff. And some of the stuff may be true, some of it may be drivel. Quite a lot of it is drivel, I think, and that's what we're seeing. But it, it's it's not different to what we've seen on other media. Um, it's just it's in our faces in a way that the other media aren't. I think the dissemination of like quality information hasn't really changed that much, but I think our sort of perception of uh, our, our expectation of like how we get information has changed and we have become uncomfortable with the idea of not knowing something or the idea that we can't find it out, I think, or at least a, a, the segment of the population that I'm part of is feels that way. And I think people also feel a need to help. So it's like they get on Twitter, they find everything they can, they retweet everything they can, and it's like they want to be involved and they want to, they want to, they want to, they want to know everything they can. They want to like complete the picture, and it's just still not. But like you said, the, the dissemination of actual information still it still takes roughly the same amount of time for everything to to work out and for all of that stuff to trickle out. So it's like we're not making anything move any faster, but we are sort of. Um, making we're we're adding noise to the signal. I think I agree with that, and um, unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about it further because we have to wrap up. So, um, thank all you guys for being on the show as always. Um, thank you. Th- <laughs> thank everyone for listening. Uh, as usual, you can leave us comments on ours, or you can leave reviews on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, and we love to hear your feedback, so please let us know what you think. And, um, yeah, I guess that's it. So thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Yeah. Peter, cool. where are you? Peter's oh, dead. Peter. Sorry. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> it's all right. It's cool. That was awesome. I'm keeping that in. Uh, that's going to sound great. Uh, I love it. Yeah, all right. Great.